We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So step two, Sean, we'll mm-hmm. talk about a little bit about the Notre Dame offense. Let's get to it. Notre Dame cannot, cannot, cannot be a team that can go to Columbus and beat Ohio State and and score enough points against Clemson uh, to win that game. And if you don't believe me, go watch the Georgia game last year, <laughs> uh, who scored three offensive points. If If Georgia didn't have an epic defense of their own last year, that's an L for them. They can't go out and make sure that they don't fall to the teams that they, you know, BYU's, the BC's, the North Carolina's, and USC's. They're not going to get to the playoff or a major bowl game and win those games if the offense doesn't take a jump. That's a fact. That's not debatable. That's not something we need to spend time on. The offense has to take a jump, right? And we've talked about the different things. The run game's got to get better, protect the quarterback better, some scheme things they can do, this, that, and the other, Tyler, this, all this. We know the things are. So let's talk about, Sean, what are the areas primarily? So if we're going to sit there and say Notre Dame's offense is going to be what it needs to be. Now, whether that's 38 points a game or 44 points a game, whatever, we're just talking about an offense that can kind of go out there, move the ball on anybody, score on anybody, and when they get in those big games, can do what they need to do to win games. Whether that's 27 points or 40 points, whatever the case may be, they can do what they need to do. Yeah. What are the keys to that happening? So if that happens at the end of the year, yeah, Notre Dame beats Ohio State, or, or you know, it's not just one game. Notre Dame goes and beats Clemson, does what they need to do, or loses a battle to Ohio State, then goes and beats Clemson and everybody else, gets to the postseason, wins a game. The things that are going to be the reason why the offense plays at the level needed. What's the first thing that comes in your mind when you think about that? The first thing that comes to my mind is health. But when I say health, it goes directly to one player on offense for me. And that's Tyler Buckner. If Tyler Buckner is healthy and from what we have gathered from talking to people around the program and from the very few times we got an opportunity to watch a full practice, Tyler Buckner is going to be a playmaker for this offense. I believe that. 
I know some people might have some consternation because of certain things they saw last year, specifically with his ability to pass and be accurate. Totally understandable. But this is the type of kid. You know, you have kids that when the light comes on, that they they love. He loves the lights. Right. Like he he's the last quarterback that's going to walk into Ohio Stadium like a deer in headlights. Right. Like he is going to want to put on a show. What he has to fight against, in my opinion, is trying to do too much and understanding the talent he has around him. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Trade Coffee sent us two new flavors after my wife filled out their quiz. Big City French Roast from Joe Coffee in New York City and Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters in Massachusetts. The Black Velvet was a dark roast with a note of burnt sugar, graham cracker, and malted milk balls. It was a very rich but smooth flavor that reminded her a bit of her favorite dessert, creme brulee. The Big City French Roast was also a dark roast, which is right up my wife's alley. And it was flavored with burnt sugar, baking chocolate, and roasted almonds. The smell in the kitchen while she was preparing a cup of coffee put a smile on my face. And she said the taste was even better and sweeter. And she didn't pick these flavors. They were chosen by Trade after she filled out a short quiz. You got to give this a try. And Trade Coffee connects customers to the freshest and best tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. These are independent businesses from big cities and small towns. Trade customers are truly impactful for these independent roasters, often being the largest source of new growth for them. Trade's coffee team actually taste tests thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. There's no one perfect coffee, but there is a perfect coffee for you and Trade's human-powered algorithm will find it. Trade is so confident they'll match you right the first time that if they don't, They'll take your feedback, and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send you a brand new bag for free. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping and handling when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. Which leads me to my number two. One of these wide receivers has to step up next yeah. to Lorenzo Styles Jr. 
Yeah. I don't know who it's going to be. I hope it's Brayden Lindsey. I think it's got to be two. You think honestly. two? Yeah, I, I do. Now, again, the, the, what I'm not talking about there, Sean, I'm yeah. not talking about they got to look like LSU 2019. No. I'm not saying, like, no. he is Jamar That's Chase and Brayden's got to be Justin Jefferson. Right. Yeah. But what I'm saying is somebody else has to step up as like a big time player. So like Braden Lindsay's yeah. the first guy pops in my head. We've talked about this before. Braden does not have to be a, a 75 catch guy this year. If Braden can give me 40, you know, 40 to 40, you know, thir- I've said this like the 35 to 40 touches and average about 19 to 20 yards a touch like he did in 2019. Mm-hmm. He has a huge impact on the offense because you got volume guys. Mayor's yeah. a volume guy. Yeah, I think Lorenzo can be a volume guy. We saw that in the bowl game. But they got to have that guy that just flat out says, you know what, this guy may only catch two passes, but the concern that we have as a defense is those two passes may go for 50 each. Right. Or he may only have three touches, but one of them is a jet sweep where we we, we were focused on Buckner or the running back, and they just kind of got us with that motion, and he just outran the defense of the perimeter for a touchdown like he did against BC yeah. and USC in 2019. And that's the thing is he doesn't need – Braden's does not need eight touches a game to dominate. Yeah, he needs like three or four, you know, and and they and now there will be games he gets more. Yeah, just from the off the RPO stuff, right? But like, you got to go into every game saying we're going to design three or four plays a game where we're going to guarantee that Braden gets the ball. We're going to design some sort of action where we motion him, and the whole point of that play is to get him is to get the you know the climb situation, whatever you got to do mm-hmm. to get it to where we're looking for Braden on this read. We know at midfield, on the, if we get into this down to distance, they like to play this coverage. And against out of a three by one, we think we can get Braden open on a backside climb route with this. So let's run it. We're going to get him a jet sweep every game. We're going to throw him at least a screen every game. That's that's the thing. If you don't have a designed deep shot, a designed screen, and a designed handoff to Braden Lindsay in your game plan, if I'm the head coach, I'm saying, okay, uh, screen, nope, deep shot, okay, check, okay. Go back to the room, yeah. Right, uh, and 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 add a couple of the a uh, couple more design plays for Braden, and then come back to me, and we'll be good. Yeah. Right, like that. That's how that's how it needs to be. Yeah. In my opinion, so but he's got to then earn that though. Yeah. Right? He's got to earn that. Yeah. But if he earns that, that to me could have as big of an impact as anybody else in the offense stepping up alongside what's already established. Yeah. Because that kind of home run threat can is what's it, it's not only does it put fear in the defense, but that's the kind of thing that can change a game, right? Like Chris Brown caught one pass against Oklahoma, one, and it changed the game. Changed the game. Yeah, completely changed the game. Yeah, right. And, and and we've seen that from from you know from Will Fuller. Like Ohio State did a good job of keeping Will out of that game, but one mistake, the corner falls down. It's an eighty-yard touchdown. And all of a sudden, if Notre Dame's if we can make a stop, you know what I mean? We've seen that in his career. Yeah. That's the kind of thing where Braden Lindsay can be that kind of player where you make one coverage mistake or we get him designed in one situation or we find that one call where we know we can out leverage you. It's a it's a wrap. It's a wrap. It's so funny because I don't know if we discussed this this week. I just happened to be watching the Fiesta Bowl, I think a couple of weeks ago. And Notre Dame ran this play three times and I kept asking. Why are you running this play? They kept running this bootleg where they would bring Michael Mayer across mm-hmm. and it would go for like one or two yards every mm-hmm. time. And I'm like, 
Jack Cone is no threat. Right. Like you're not forcing that defender right. coming down to choose. Like right. go after the quarterback. <laughs> he's not he's not going to be open. But in my mind, I'm like, if that's Tyler Butler, right. now we're cooking with grease. And now you start to see, I think going to your point, I think Tommy, because of his quarterback, will have yeah. those creative options in the offense and on the playlist each and every weekend. I, I really do. Perfect example of what you're saying, Sean, is just go. We So it's one thing to say, this is what I think could happen if yeah. this guy's – look, we've seen it, though. Yeah. Go look at the Georgia Tech game or the Toledo game, excuse me, where – it's a throw. Well, yeah. It's a throw. Like I, I, At yeah. first I thought Tyler was going to run, yeah. and then the guy came up and he just dumped it over. But if you go back and actually study the play, it's a designed pass. Designed pass. But yeah. because he's rolling out, the defense all makes things, uh-oh. Right. And he just pulls up and – Knocks it over, 55-yard touchdown to Chris Tyree. Yeah. Right, like those kind of things show you, like when they got to worry about that run. I was talking with somebody the other day, and he was like, he, he was like, I don't think people understand how dynamic Tyler Buckner is and how much stress he's going to put on defenses. Yeah. And so that's the point, Sean. It, it, that's a similar thing where you design that play and, and the one you're talking about. Imagine what that play looks like when you've got Buckner rolling out and Mayer in the flat, mm-hmm. and they're so worried about those two, all of a sudden Lorenzo or Braden is climbing up behind everybody. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. even a deep drag, deep, deep drag. climb, something like yeah. that, you know, where it's like, uh-oh, now you got to worry about it. And so, you know, to me, that's kind of that's kind of how I look at it is, is, is when you talk about other guys need to step up, that's yeah. the key is it can't just be Lorenzo and Mike. That'll be good. Again, What's the what are we talking about here, Sean? We're not talking about what needs to happen for Notre Dame to go 10 and 2. I, I'll be shocked if Notre Dame's not 10 and 2 or better. I mean, we saw it last year. They were n- a, a, not a good team last year. They yeah. went in 11 and 1 because their dudes were better than everybody else's dudes except for Cincinnati. Yeah. That's it. That, yeah. That's why they were 11 and 1 last year. With all the, this would, you know, if, if, if Kelly's so bad and if Quinn's so bad, why do they keep winning? Because their dudes are way better than everybody else's dudes. Yeah. Simple as that. And so, to me, it can't just be those two guys, however, to beat Ohio State. It can't just be those two guys to beat Clemson. It can't be, you know, because Clemson's going to have a dude named Trenton Simpson that they may be able to utilize to run with Mayer at times, right? They, right. They're going to have dudes on defense that they can say, look, we're going to make sure Michael Be- Michael Mayer doesn't beat us. And we've got at least one DB is good enough to make sure that Lorenzo Style doesn't either. Okay, well, who's next? And that's what hurt Georgia against Clemson last year is because of all the injuries, they didn't have George Pickens, they didn't have Eric Gilbert, they just basically had Brock Bowers, who wasn't even established yet. I mean, that was his yeah. first college game. Yeah. You know what I mean? He wasn't the dude he became. The, the Clemson was like, we're going to make Stetson, Benson, Stetson Bennett beat us, and there was like, you can't, yeah. right? I think that would have been a different game by the end of the year, oh, the yeah. way that Georgia's offense evolved. Now, I think that they, you know, they wouldn't have scored a ton on Clemson. They wouldn't have scored three offensive yeah. points against Clemson. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing is like Clemson's going to be good enough to say you're, this guy's not beating us and that guy's not beating us. If you're going to beat us, you're going to have to beat with somebody else. And to me, that's what Notre Dame's going to be able to do in my opinion is, or that's if a Braden Lindsay and I do, but I do, I do think to really take that step against those teams, you need a third guy. Who, that's a legitimate if I gave you two guys to choose from. Mm-hmm. I give you cozy and I give you Jaden Thomas. Of course, Tobias Merriweather 
about game four or five could emerge. Sure. Especially as that deep threat, Mm -hmm. big play guy alone, Braden Lindsey. But based upon the guys that we have now. and You're just talking about folks on returners. Yeah, just focus on returners. I'm interested because initially I think Cozy in red zone. I'm not even expecting him to be, give me, like you said, mass numbers. Right. Anything like that. But when we get into the red zone, I need you to be a mismatch. Like I need I need to be able to throw the 50-50 ball up to you at will. Right. And you come down with it if you're one-on-one. I need you to be able to get your big body in front of that DB on that mm-hmm. quick slant. Right. And come down with the ball. That's why I think it's cozy. But Jay yeah. Thomas, he played really well this for the role you're talking about. Yeah. It's cozy. Yeah, Jaden could do different things, but it's and the reason I say Colsey is it needs to be Colsey in that scenario is because as good as Jaden Thomas played in the spring, Mm -hmm. we're talking about something specific here, right? Jaden Thomas is not six five, right? With long arms, that that's the reality of it. Yeah, and and you know that's just that's the reality of it is is Jaden can do some things on the field but what he's going to do is not going to it he hasn't shown to be the guy that can go out and be that that mismatch you know look, Ohio State their corners are six foot and six one mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're going to have some length give me that six five guy that on third and eight you just say hey, look we're just going to run have him you know he's going to get ISO coverage we're going to run him on a, a go route and if they bail he's going to stop and catch a hitch or, or catch a stop route for first and or most likely, if they press and, and play man, he's a guy that if the quarterback's other read isn't there or he likes that one-on-one, just throw that sucker at 10 feet and, you know, let him back shoulder it, and there's nothing that the, the defensive backs can do about it. There's only one returner on the roster that can do that. And, again, returner. That was your question, returner. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's got to be that. But but the other thing, too, Sean, is in, in my world of where I'm looking at it, it doesn't have to be the same second guy every week. Like, like Braden Lindsay has to be a threat that t- people worry about during the week of preparation. Absolutely. What I'm more referring to is they've got to have somebody that's going to step up this week. And if that's what that defense can do. So maybe it's Jaden Thomas against Ohio state or Deion Coles against Ohio state, but then maybe against North Carolina, it's Tobias Merriweather, maybe against Clemson. It's Avery Davis because of the matchup or this, you know, this type of thing, or, you know, maybe it's, you know, somebody else in a different game. It's just got to be somebody's got to – and the other thing, too, is it doesn't have to be a wide receiver. It has to be a pass game weapon. Whether it's Tyree coming out of the backfield, that's nice. But to me, it's more of a a a perimeter type of weapon. It could be Eli Raritan. It could be Kane Barong. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care who it is. It's just got to be somebody that each week somebody's got to step up and say – Hey, you know what? I'm going to get my chance this week because of the matchup, and I'm going to make the most of it. And I, and and again, I don't I don't really care who it is as long as somebody steps up. I think in specific, if you're going to give me real specific narrow niches, then I'm going to fit a player that fits that role, which is why I went with Dion. But I don't care if it's Dion. I don't care if it's Jaden. I don't care if it's Tobias. I don't care if it's Joe Wilkins. I don't care if it's Avery Davis. I don't care if it's Eli Raritan or Kane Barong or Kevin Bauman or Holden Stace or a running back. I don't care. It's just somebody's got to step up and make that play. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and but that's what we've seen, right? Like, that's yeah. what we see for those big teams. It's like you think about, you know, the 2016 team and, and Deshaun Watson and you've got Wayne Gallman and you've got Mike Williams and you've got 
But who was it that stepped up and made the money plays? Hunter flipping Renfro. Right? You know, so 2018, people forget this. Yes, Justin Ross and and, and T. Higgins made big plays that game. But it was Hunter beating Alohi up the seam. Well, he beat Alohi, but the corner was supposed to squeeze down on that, and he didn't. But that was the play that that really kind of sparked them on that last touchdown drive Yeah, that put that game away, you know, at halftime. So, you know, those are the things. Like, so 16-3 looks a whole lot different than 23-3 going into halftime. You always had that guy that, yes, you had to deal with Trevor. You had to deal with Travis Etienne. You had to deal with Justin Ross and T. Higgins. And Notre Dame was able to, for the most part, take, take T. Higgins out of that game. Yeah. With the exception of the one long carry when Notre Dame had to get out of their base defense and try to blitz to make a stop because they're down 23 to three, they pretty much took Travis Etienne out of that game as well. Yeah. But they then couldn't also take out Justin Ross and also take out Hunter Renfro. Yeah. And that's to me what makes you dangerous. And until they get to that point, they're going to need everything. That, here's what it is the margin of error is much smaller when you have a smaller number of guys that can take over in big moments. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's the key. Yeah, I agree. Third. And somebody corrected me. It wasn't Stetson Bennett. I was just speaking kind of hyperbolically. JT Daniels is actually the quarterback for that game yeah. against against them. Thanks. But the same principle applies. applies. Alabama did the same thing in the SEC title game. They did the same thing in the national championship game. We're going to make Stetson Bennett beat you. And if Jamison Williams didn't get hurt, he wouldn't have. But, yes, thank you for the correct, correction, Ryan. And number three, you have to start – because it was such – so we talked about this, such an ugly thing to watch last season. Mm-hmm. The offensive line. Oh, my God. You, it, it, can, we, I, can I direct this conversation, Charlie? Because I don't even want to rehash that. Because you and I were on the phone the other night when I was watching the Oklahoma State game, and I was in a good mood until I started watching that game. And I just was like, just you could just hear the disgust in my voice. I don't even want to talk about that technique and all that. For me, I do think offensive line is my number three as well. We're pretty much on the same page. Buckner's got to step up was my number one. He's got to be that guy. Yeah. In the big games anyway. Notre yeah. Dame can get away with him with with him not playing great against eight teams on the schedule. But yeah. to beat Clemson and Ohio State, you he needs to play well. We're same page on receiver. I think health is important there at the skill positions too. They can't because of the injuries they already have, they can't afford more yeah. skill positions. But for me, it's not just the techniques got to improve and all that. The big thing for me is I was I was on a radio show today. Uh, it was I forget what it's called. It was like Southern Gentlemen, something like Southern Gents or something. Like it. it was sport, cool sports, you know, it's college football channel. They had me on and, and they were really good. They asked real good questions and they were asking me about certain things, you know, about like the physicality. And I was like, you know, the thing is like Notre Dame. And it kind of made me sad to admit this, but it's true. Is Notre Dame just wasn't a real physical football team last year? No. And no. and other than the the offensive line in twenty twenty, they've been a real physical football team for several years. To be honest with you, they weren't a real physical team in twenty nineteen. They weren't a real physical team in twenty twenty one. They were a physical team on the O line in twenty twenty, but they weren't on defense. They were more of a speed, you know, attacking, and that, I mean, they weren't a real punch you in the teeth. It's kind of defense. They haven't been that way in a while, yeah. but they def. But I think a lot of that goes back to they haven't had that mentality, that physical. We're going to punch you in the face, and when you complain about it, we're going to punch you even harder. We're going to punch you even harder. We're going to punch you even harder. We're not going to stop punching you until you quit. 
right? And that was the mentality of that 2017 offensive line. That was the mentality of 2015 offensive line is we're going to, we're going to fight. We're going to scrap. We're going to just pound you over the head until you quit. Yeah, You can't take it anymore. And to me, beyond the technique and all that other, not that's going to get better because he's gone and Harry's here. Right. But the mentality that Harry has brought in the past needs to come back because that Sean, as you know, that bleeds to the whole football team. Absolutely. The offensive linemen are playing, whether it's scout teamers or starters. Charles Jagasaw talked about this with you in an interview. He's like, man, it wasn't just watching him with the starters, but he was coaching up the backup dudes just as hard and just as much as he was coaching the starters. Yeah. And so, like, that mentality is going to be with your scout team players, with your walk-ons, with your starters. It's got to be everybody. Yeah. And the leadership of that team has to hold every. Hey, look, I know that you're a walk-on, but the expectation is if you put this gold helmet on, you're – and you're going to play for with us and Harry Heastand. I don't care if you're a five-star or if you're a walk-on, you're going to play with this mentality, right? Because that bleeds everywhere. Because then the linemen – because you remember we'd be at practices back in the day and, like, Q would get on the running backs if they weren't bringing it. Right. You would talk, hey, man, you, you we gave you time. You need to make that throw, baby. You know what I mean? Like, they, the, the old line set the standard for everybody else. Yeah. And, and Mike, Mike Elko, we've said this on the show before, Mike Elko called the offensive line the human lie detectors. You know, because or Quentin Nelson, because it's like, you know, you're gonna know whether yes. you're, you know, because yeah. they're gonna bring it. Yeah. And now the defense changes its mentality. The linebackers change their mentality because, hey, man, if you don't come on this play, my center, my guard's coming off second level, and he's punching you in the mouth. Yeah. You, know, you guys understand what we say by that? We're talking yeah. figuratively from a football standpoint. And so when you have that, hey, you're a cornerback, and we're running the screen. Don't think we're pulling up on you. You better be ready to take me on. Yeah, you're going to get hurt, right? That bleeds to the whole program, and to me, if that comes back, that makes. I mean, we could have even started with that because <laughs> that makes everything else better. Absolutely, and Absolutely. that to me is if this team is going to be what it needs to be, it's going to be not just the offensive line plays better, but they play with that mentality to where when that 2017 season. Georgia found this out. LSU found this out with the exception of Miami. Every other team on that schedule knew you may beat us, but you're coming out of this fight with a limp because we're going to fight you for four quarters, right? And that's 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 where they need to get back to. 2015 team, I thought, was that way, right? Yeah. If this team is that way, they will be – this could be Notre Dame's best football team because this is the best combination of talent plus coaching that Notre Dame has had. I, I don't know if it's going to have the talent top to bottom in the starting lineup as the 2015 team. It's going to have more depth. I don't know if it's going to have the all-around starting talent of the 2015 team, which just had generational players. I mean, talk about generation. That had multiple generational players on that football team with Jalen yeah. and Q yeah, and Will Fuller. You know, how many teams have three generational players in their football team? Not many. No. Right? You know, I don't know if it's that talented, but like they're they're going to be better at 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, but the coaching is going to be so much better. I think this could end up being their best team, but it's going to have it, but we're going to look back at the end of the year and we're say, "Boy, this was a this was a team that you just you, when was the last time Sean you watched Notre Dame play and it felt like the Baylor Oklahoma State game, Big 12 title game? When was the last time Notre Dame played in a game like that? Where just pads were popping. I mean, just We've seen games like that, but maybe the other team was doing that. I mean, I've, I've watched a lot from the Lou Holtz era recently on TV. <laughs> well, right. I had that. Like, what we were talking about the 
96 Ohio mm-hmm. State game, right? That they showed, and was it? It was either 96 or 97. We're talking about, and it was amazing how physical Notre Dame was with that Ohio mm-hmm. State team. They just lacked athletes. Sean Springs and the line Belisari and Fickle. All the great linebackers they had and all the defensive players they had, they just lined up. Was it Tony Driver? Oh, no, not Tony Driver. Uh, Kinder. Randy Kinder was the running back on that game. Yeah, I think he had like 120 yards. 144. Yeah, rushing. Man. And most – that was like – The, the, the problem is Scotty Graham went over for two bills. Right. <laughs> but the problem is they just didn't have the athletes on that game. They had the athletes, but they could line up and just right. walk into the horseshoe and just say, right. okay. Right. What we can do is we can pop these helmets. Right. And make you fill us. Right. And that is something since that 17 team, like you said. Right. We really haven't had I'd say 18 team was that way too. I think. Because the difference is that you're the defense set that tone. Yeah. And you still had enough of the Harry Heastan leftover effect with you know, Bars being a team leader, even though he got hurt, he was a team leader. You had Hainsey, yeah. you had Eichenberg, you had Mustafer, you had guys that still had that mentality. Yeah, that you still had that a little bit. Yeah. You know, but that defense. But it was post twenty eighteen is when it went away. Today. And the, you know what the greatest blessing is as well? Not only getting Harry Heastan back from a style technique standpoint. You talked about being a lie detector. This this offensive line and their progress, it won't be fake. Not with, not with the defensive front they're facing every day in practice. Yep. That front seven yep. is going to let them know yep. this is who you are yep. every day. They will not walk into the horseshoe not knowing who they are. Right. They will know. And that's the blessing of having this front seven, having guys like Adam mm-hmm. Viola and Fowski come back. It's a true test. Right. And the emergence of the young guys, the second-year right. guys. You guys talked about that this week, how important this sophomore mm-hmm. class. Hugely like, important. Both sides of the ball. Absolutely. We're looking for guys like Riley Mills to take a huge step forward, mm-hmm. right? So those are the three things. I'm excited. Look. I, I think there's – go ahead, Sean, because there's one more thing I want to add before okay, we move on. Go when ahead. You, no, no. Go, this can go on the back end. Go okay. ahead. I do think there's one more thing. And you and I talked – the reason Sean was cutting it down at three is because when we talk, we're going to give three things. But there's just something that kind of popped in my head too. This team can't reach its full potential. And, I, and this is true of every good team. Yeah. Your stars have to play like stars, especially in the big yes. games. Yes. And, and, you know, so that to me it's like, you know, Michael Mayer. He's yes. got to be a dude in those games. Talk about right? it. Uh, Chris Tyree's got to be that guy. Talk about Lorenzo's it. Lorenzo's got to be that guy. Yes. And Jarrett Patterson's got to be that guy. Blake yes. Fisher's got to be that guy. You know, and, and what I mean by that is what I loved about what I love about some of the, the, the best teams that you see. Bama's had years like this. Mm-hmm. I felt this about I didn't feel this about Ohio State's 2014 team because I felt that team just kind of overwhelmed people in the Big Ten that year. Yeah. But their 0-2 team was this way. Notre Dame was like this from like 88 to 93. It's like you know, when the games are biggest, that's when you're that's when I, that's when your stars are shine brightest. And 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 that hasn't always been true for yeah. Notre Dame. Not always because of the players, but for other reasons. They weren't always put in position to shine brightest. Yeah. 
but like that's something for me for this team is is you know Blake Fisher's a phenomenal talent and he and he need he you know he's going to have games where he's off this year because he's a flipping sophomore Joe Walt same way mm-hmm. but it can't be Ohio State game no it can't be the Clemson game and you know that's part of what gives me optimism too Sean is when I look at Blake Fisher I'm fu- I'm kind of like that kid played a game and a half last year and that game and a half was the first half was against Jermaine Johnson right. And then the second one was in the Fiesta Bowl against a team that was the team that led the nation in sacks, and Blake was fine. Yeah. He was like, he, it's like, he strikes me, and, and we're going to find out if that's actually true or not this year, but he struck me last year as kind of the kid and the way he talks, the way he carries himself. Like, he's going to have some rough games. It's just going to be against like Marshall, it's going to be against like Navy. But when the lights are on, Blake's going to be like, okay. Yeah. This is my yeah. this is my sweet spot. This is my safe haven. You know He's what I mean? The more you know, Joe Alt is the more steady, right, even killed guy. Blake is the more emotional. Right. Yeah. yeah. But does that result in him not playing well in big games? Or like you said, like the great ones, it's like when the lights are brightest, it's like, yeah. okay, this yeah. is where I'm at. The 88 team was like that. The 93 yeah. team was like that. Yeah. You know, some of the other Notre Dame teams were, were like that too, but the problem is they 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 weren't quite good enough. Like the team that lost to Stanford, you yeah. know, like the ninety ninety one teams had a couple. To, you're like, man, you can't believe you lost that game. Yeah, you know, but you know, I, I, like I said, that's what I loved about that O two Ohio State team because they weren't a sexy team. They that you, but man, when the game was big, they would bring it. And Miami well, was like that. No one. Yeah. Uh, was oh it, heck yeah. Like they would barely beat Boston College, needed like yeah. a, you know, the, the D lineman flipping the ball back to Ed Reed to beat BC. Right. Right. But m- when they played in big games, they crushed people because when the lights were bright, that's when they were, that was when they were in there. That was where they wanted They're to be. They're the best. They Bam has been like that a lot of years. Last couple of years, not quite as much, you know, like the AM game this year. Like, but, when Bama was great, that's kind of how Bama was. I mean, you know, they just like when the lights were brightest, they were going to be at their best. And that's what I want to see from this team. It's it, offensively, and and that's got to be true for Mayer. It's got to be true yeah. for Blake Fisher. It's got to be yeah. true for Buckner. It's got to be true for Lorenzo. And it's got to be true for Chris Tyree. Yeah. It, it especially, does. Especially in the fourth quarter. Right. Now, point two, you, week one, Florida State, 13 seconds on the clock. You're at the imposing 48-yard line. It's a Jack wrap. Cole, Jack Cole can't wrap. hit Michael Mayer in the hands any better. Right. Can't. Oh, yeah, right. Catch the ball, go down, 45-yard field yeah. goal, walk out. No need to go and, to And we've time. seen that before, Sean. We saw that in 2019 at Georgia. Yes. You, 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 defense does what it needs to do, forces a punt, shank punt. You get the ball midfield, two minutes left. It needs to be a wrap. The other teams would be like, well, we're done. Yeah. Because you yeah. know, our like, I remember I said this before. I talked to a Notre Dame coach in that offseason, and I was like, you know, talking about that game. I can't remember how we got there, but he's like, I just, he's like, I looked in the eyes of the players before the series, and I was just like, I didn't see it. Yeah. And I mean, as a coach, there's nothing that you can say or do to turn that switch on. It's just, yeah. well, why didn't he do something? There's nothing. If a kid doesn't have that in him in the fourth quarter with two minutes left, then you can't say something like everybody has like this remember the Titans feel like, oh, you know, the, the you know, Coach Boone or, you know, I forget the D coordinator's name. Like they said this, and you know, the reason they played well is because you know they gained another yard. It's like right. well, that's a movie, right? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's not real life. 
No. If you're not out getting their work, and then the guy says something, all of a sudden you, oh, yeah, you know, like yeah. that's not how it works. If you're not ready and that two-minute mark mentally, there's nothing I can say to you at that time to change it. And that's the thing is that team did not have those – didn't have enough of those, okay, give me the ball, right? Well, I want this. Give me the ball. At the opportunities, though. Right. At the opportunities. Right. Yeah, right. you bring this up. We talk about this all the time. Like, Jack Cone overthrew Lorenzo a little bit. You need to lay out for that. get it, baby. Yeah. It's, it's another level, yeah. level of effort in that moment to make that happen. Like, Notre Dame had their moments in every That's game. one thing I love about loved about Jack Cohn last year. It didn't matter. Like, seriously. Yeah. Whatever you're feeling about Jack Cohn is, name me a time when the game was on the line that Jack Cohn didn't do what he needed to do to win the game. And you even point at the Florida State game. Like, he hit Mayer, like, in the – I mean, he did what he needed to do. You know, Toledo game. Jack didn't play great in that game. He played okay. Yeah. He played good. But he yeah. didn't play – but comes in, finger gets knocked out, bam, goes out and makes plays. Virginia Tech game. Gets benched. Got benched. He didn't get hurt. He got benched. And then what happens? He comes off the bench. Bam! They're down ten, or they're, no? They're down. Uh, they're down eight. Eight. They needed to score a touchdown and get a two point conversion. And he does what he did in that game. Like that's the thing I loved about Jack Cohn is, hey, look, man. You know, say whatever you want about him, but but when the moment was biggest, his calm was like, I got this, fellas. We're good. Yeah. I got this. I need to know that Tyler's going to be able to do the same thing. And that's what the great – hey, look, I'm going to tell you something right now. Go. Everybody remembers John Elway in the drive, right? Denver had 13 points going into that drive. That means John Elway wasn't lighting the world on fire the first, fifth, you know, 55 minutes of that game. He's facing a pretty good defense. Exactly. But, that's, but my point is, but there was nothing that you're going to be able to do to stop him on that last drive. And there's been a lot of moments like that. It, it, Brett Farr found that out. Yeah. If you're going to beat John Elway, you need to blow him out. <laughs> If you leave that baby close to the end of the game, and close at the end of the it's game, it's a wrap. Yeah, it's a wrap. Yeah. yeah, that's what the Redskins did. Right. That's what the Giants <laughs> did. Like get, get the them Niners. out the way early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Niners did the same thing. I mean, that thing yeah. was over by the end of the first quarter. Right. Because if it's close in the fourth quarter, you're you got no chance. Warren yeah. Moon found that out. Right. There's a lot of great quarterbacks that didn't get chances to play in Super Bowls because of John Elway. Yeah. In 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 the 80s and 90s, okay. you know what I mean. So. um John Elway and, and Jim Kelly is I'll add those two. So that's what we need to see, Sean. That's the final piece for me. Your stars got to play like stars when it matters most. If Michael Mayer wants to have an off game against Cal, I'm cool, buddy. You deserve that one. You know what I mean? But he's got to bring it for Ohio State. He's got to bring it for Clemson and USC and Georgia and Alabama and Oklahoma. Yeah. yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The best combination of coaching and talent you believe that Notre Dame has had. Mm-hmm. And that coaching, it look, once again, I'll harken back to Lou Holtz and what we have heard echo from players that played under him. Player after player after player. Lou Holtz didn't. Lou Holtz coached for Navy. He coached for Army. Mm-hmm. Like he coached hard yeah. for those games. So they hated practice when they were playing a team that stunk. They hated yeah. the week of practice. Yeah. Like the big games, like, dude. If we're consistent and we stay prepared for those games, we're going to be – we will be prepared for the big games. Mm-hmm. What he focused on with us in big games is making sure we were loose. Right. Now, they, they preparation was still there. It was on point. It was, was always the right. same. But see, why was he that way? Part of the way he understood the mental aspects of the game, but you know he would not have been that way if he didn't trust his leadership to make sure that they were right. That's the staff. Not not even stat the players. Yeah, he knew that the Miami week he didn't need to get Frank Stan. He didn't need to get in Frank Stan's face to get him no. ready to go. No, he didn't need to get in Pat Terrell's face to get him ready to go. No, he didn't say, "Hey Rocket, here's your chance to show something, baby." Right. He didn't need to tell you know Mark Green that this is. A, he didn't need to tell Tony Rice, "Hey Tony, man, I need you." No. A, a, a tweet I put out today. People say you know um, why I don't care about, you know, Ian Book's record of most wins as a starting quarterback. And, and it's, it's the tweet I put out today. In two years as a starter, where Tony Rice was the starter, you know, kind of going into the year and finished the year. I know he started some games in 2000 or 1987, but he wasn't the starter. He came eventually off the bench. Yeah. Notre Dame went 24-1, and one, right? But of those 24 wins, 10 – were over teams that were ranked when they played, and I believe 12 were over teams that finished ranked. Because remember, they beat Sean Moore and Herman Moore and Chris Slade on Virginia in the opener that year, and Virginia, oh, for some ungodly year. reason, wasn't ranked that year to start season. They finished the year ranked, though. Right. And he beat – I'm going to pull it up because it's just staggering, Sean. Like, here's who Tony Rice beat in his career at Notre Dame. And it's, it's it really is just wild. Number one, Miami. Number one, Colorado. Yep. Number two, USC. Number two, Michigan. Number three, West Virginia. Ian Book had five wins in his career over ranked teams. That right there is five wins over top three teams in two years. Also beat number seven, Pitt. Number nine, Michigan. Number nine, USC. And that number nine, Michigan team that year, I believe, the Notre Dame beat, I believe that that number nine, Michigan team ended up ranked higher than number nine. They were nine when Notre Dame beat them. Yes, they finished fourth that year and their two losses to Michigan's two losses were to Notre Dame who beat them by two points last second Reggie Ho Ho field goal and their other loss was a 31 to 31 31 to 30 loss to Miami yes so I mean and they went and beat number five USC in a bowl game yeah right like to me like you knew Tony Rice had some games in his career. You're like, this guy cannot hit the broad side of a barn. He couldn't hit water if he threw a ball out of the boat. You know what I mean? Like, but when the game was big, 
You same type of same type of kid that will slip in the end zone yeah. and hit 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 a big time pass. Yeah. You might get USC. Yeah, yeah, to rocket. Yeah, yeah. Most quarterbacks go down. Yeah, slips in the end zone, regains his composure. Yeah, hits rocket. They're off and running right. after being backed right. up. You know, right? And we actually, I talked to Wes Pritchett, and Wes said that this was amazing. He said the week of the Miami game, they were on a totally different field. That Lou spent all his time with the offense. Mm-hmm. He said they were done. He said when the offensive guys came in, he was in Coach Alvarez's office talking to him. But he said that's how much trust right. he had in Barry Alvarez right. and the rest of his coaches. And like you said, the leadership on that team. That he did not have, it gave him an opportunity to not micromanage and be tight and to really loosen things up and come up with ideas and game plans that would force the other team, in a sense, to play left handed, which is why, which is why you saw Miami go for a fake punt and Lou Holtz was like, we got him. Yeah, that's when he knew they flinched. They flinched. Yeah. Yeah, you know? but but the thing about that team, though, and this is something else I've heard from players from back then, and the 93 kids felt like this about Kevin McDougal, and he wasn't as good as Tony Rice, but but it, it, and, and Notre Dame players felt like this about Brady Quinn, and this is why I say Tyler Buckner has to be that guy. If Notre Dame's going to get to where they need to get to yeah. and get to the ultimate goal we send them against as championships, Tyler Buckner needs to have that in him. And, and what I mean by that is in the big games or in the big moments, it didn't matter – what mistakes Tony made early mm-hmm. when the game was on the line, he was going to do what he needed to do. Yeah. The, you, you know, the UCLA game in 2006, right. Where Brady led him on that drive at the end. He he was struggling that game because the, yeah. the pass rush was just Bruce Davis and the other cat that was off the air were just killing Notre Dame's offensive line. Yeah. When the game's on the line though, Brady was like, you know, and, but they all knew it though. Right. That's the thing. Like they all knew it. He adjusted right? like, on that drive. Yeah. You know, he said, okay, if you're going to come wide, I'm gonna step up, right, and then come under you and get to the right. outside, right? Which is what he did. He pumped fake, stepped yeah. in, got outside. But that's the thing is, like the players knew, okay, Brady's got this, Tony's got this, McDougal's gonna do what he needs to do on this drive to get us where he needs to get to. Mm-hmm. There's that supreme confidence that you have in your quarterback that he's gonna make the plays that need to be made to win the games. Yeah, and and to me, that's what top, if Notre Dame's gonna get to that level because as much as we love Notre Dame's talent, we're also gonna sit there and say Notre Dame has a better roster than then I would argue it, definitely 10 of the 12 teams are going to play. Clemson is arguable. Ohio State, because of the – I would I made this argument. I think Notre Dame has better position groups than Ohio State, more better position groups than Ohio State has over Notre Dame. The difference is Ohio State has it at the positions that matter most. Yeah. Right? At quarterback, yeah. wide receiver, positions like that, right? And the gap there is greater than it is where Notre Dame has an advantage. Like, I think Notre Dame has a better offensive line, but the gap between Notre Dame's offensive line and Ohio State's is much smaller than the gap between quarterback and receiver with Notre right. Dame. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, they don't have the the team, the, the roster Ohio State has right now. They don't have the roster that Georgia has yet. They don't have the roster that Alabama has yet, right? Like, so in order to win those games with any kind of consistency, in my opinion, your quarterback has to play like a dude. Yes. And that's my point. 
is I don't care if Tyler goes out there, and this is my complaint about Ian, and I'm, I know I'm kicking Ian in the teeth a little bit today, but this is just the facts. The year he threw 34 touchdowns, I've pointed this out, 23 of those touchdowns came against against teams with a losing record or or were not group of five, power five teams. It was like New Mexico, Bowling Green, yeah, like five against New Mexico, five against Bowling Green, five against Navy, four against Stanford who stunk, four against Duke who stunk. It was like games like that. And so, like, 23 of his 34 touchdowns came in five games. So, like, in the other eight games, he threw, like, 11, right? Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't want that. I, I'm, I'm cool with that, right? I want the guy that 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 plays like garbage against Navy but has the game of his life against Ohio State. Now, ideally, I want the guy that plays well in all of them, right? But if I have to pick between the two, give me the guy that's going to be the money guy when it matters most. Because your roster can just is going to out-talent the other 10 teams on your schedule. Well, let's say nine. Let's say the USC's got enough talent where you can't do like real. Right? 18, let's, 19 yeah. year olds know who they're playing. Right. Like yes. they, they know. And emotionally, there's going to be look, it's going to be the first home game, but emotionally, win or lose, there's going to be a drop down. Right. You know, as far as anticipation and like them being anxious for the uh, second game, the Cal, right? Mm-hmm. Is Cal the second, the first home game? You know, but like you said, they're just going yeah, Marshall to be Marshall than Cal. Right? Marshall, I'm sorry, they're considerably better than Marshall, and they know it. Right, and they know it, but they still will want to come out and be impressive in the first home game, and it might be a build up. Heck, they might come out and just knock them out the box right out right. of out of the gate. But there, it I just don't know if it will be the same intensity right. as week one. But they're they're teenagers, man. They right. know who they're playing, and they're going to elevate week one. And then, you know, from there, like you said, Tyler and Marshall and Cal, I don't think we're going to need heroic efforts. We're going to need solid football. Right. Just solid football. And it goes, you know what? You can connect that to what we've just been talking about with Lou Holtz. We want Tyler to be solid every game. Mm-hmm. We just want him to elevate it right. from that right. to another level. But I'm also realistic that he's as a kid who who started one year of high school football and has what 30, 32 career passes, 33 career passes at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. If we're being realistic, he's gonna have games where it's like, yep, he looks like a red shirt or a sophomore that's had one year as a starting quarterback, right? I mean, that that's different than like Bryce Young, who was like a four-year starter at modern day. Right. Are you talking about so, like numbers wise or just like bullet points? Execution. It, okay. Execution where he's okay. just going to be like, he's off today. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. going to happen. He's a, he's yeah. basically a sophomore who has not played a lot of football in his career. He's going to have off days. Right. It's going to happen. He's going to yeah. have a game where he's going to throw two to three picks. I'm just preparing you now. You just got to hope that it's against UNLV or, you know, two picks you know, or against you know, like you said, cow, where you can overcome it. Yeah. You just need him to be that big game guy, you know, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's same with Mayer, same with Lindsey. Like, if Brayden Lindsey gets shut out against Cal and Marshall, I don't care if he catches four passes for a buck 20 against Ohio State, right? Like, okay, whatever, you know. Right. Good, good job, running, Cal, taking him out of the game. <laughs> we're running the ball for 300 against both right. those teams. So, right. you know. Right. Because right. you're gonna have wins like what? What's that? The let's say 2010 Utah. 
Yeah. Where Tommy played a really good game, but if you looked at his numbers, he only threw for like 131. Yeah. And I think Michael Floyd had 34 yards on four catches. I think Deval Kamara had two touchdowns and he had right. 32 total yards or something like that. So it's, you know, what you want to see from him, me, is his ability to understand the moment. Right. Right. Um, let the game come to him. Right. Knowing he's the dude, kind of like a Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, to whereas I can come out and, and really establish my team, but knowing that I, the team and the defense that I have, I can play within myself right. and pick my spots and have a third quarter where I have 16 points and then finish you off in the fourth quarter, 30 points in the second half, you look at the game like, oh, he scored 50. Yeah, but he really did it right. in these pockets. That's when he took over the game. Well, I mean, that, that, like that's what are the – Against Clemson, Ohio State, he's not going to – they're going to find ways to make it tough on him sure. in certain parts of games. But like, you know, let's say he completes 55% of his passes in a game, but he's 6 of 8 on third down. Bingo. Right. Like, yeah. you know, the, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what the great ones are. Right. Like, you, you know, you and I grew up in the same era of NBA. Yeah. It, it was those plays down the stretch for Michael in the 90s. It was mm-hmm. it was Bird out dueling Dominique in the fourth quarter. Yeah. That that, you know, of those times, it was it was it was magic hitting the hook in the fourth quarter. Wasn't the second quarter he hit that shot. It was right. when the game was on the line and Kareem's yeah. on the bench because he's out. No, you know, it was Bird drop draining threes from the from the baseline. You know, it was like. It was those money plays that define greatness, right? Yeah. And that's why I say your stars. And again, we're we're using hyperbole and we're talking about all time greats, but it's the mindset though, and and that's something that you don't have to necessarily have Michael Jordan's physical talent to have that mindset. No, right. And that's the thing. Yeah. Kobe Bryant didn't have that that Mamba mentality because he was physically gifted. He he was able to be a, a legend because of the physical talent. Yeah, but the mindset is what took him over over the top, in my opinion. But that yeah. you don't need to be a great player to do that, and that's the thing about Buckner and Tyree and Mayer and Lorenzo and 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 Fisher and those kind of guys is when the when the lights are brightest, that's when you're at your best. Don't you, know? you think just throughout the entire team, but specifically on the offensive side, there's one word that I think that's going to be. I won't go. I won't say that it didn't exist last year. I think there's going to be so much more trust. Yeah. Between. Oh, it did. You can say it. It didn't exist last year. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to be. I'll say it. I was around it. It, 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 there wasn't trust last year. Yeah. Even sometimes it wasn't necessarily a conscious distrust. Yeah. But there was, there wasn't a lot of trust. There wasn't a, I definitely think I'm being put in the best position to be successful. I'm just telling you, it's not a guess. That's not a, I think I'm just telling you what I know to be true. Yeah. There wasn't a trust from one side of the ball to the other. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, it's like, hey, I don't, I don't trust you to go out there and do what you need to do. So I got to figure some things out and, you know, and go from there. So that that's kind of where you are.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.